offered to uh, prepare a special, especially Christmas and Resurrection Sunday. Uh, they just pose tremendous weighty challenges on the heart of a person who just wants to do it right. So I was reflecting on uh, this evening's message and Christmas time as uh, just a general concept. And I was thinking that I'd just share um, reflective moments with you this time around and get you to think about where we've been as a congregation. It's been a long road. Christmas time is a unique time of year because it not only forces us to dwell, especially on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but it also, due to it being the end of the year, is a cause of or for reflection. So this evening, if nothing else, let's sit back and take a good long pause and consider where we've come from as a congregation, where we've come from, and where the Spirit's led us over the past year or so, especially since September of 2015. As I was preparing for this evening's message, I was praying for the Spirit's guidance on, you know, which scripture to use, which is right, uh, which is appropriate. And I just, again, got into this sort of reflective mood that I'd like all of you to get into. And it's interesting because each year, the title's the same. It's Christmas, Christmas special. But each year, the Christmas special differs significantly. Not because the gospel or Jesus Christ have somehow changed, for the Word tells us that they are immutable realities, However, frankly, we have changed, haven't we? We have changed, and it's true. We have changed as individuals and as a congregation, as a family. So it makes sense that our Christmas special messages are different each year. And beyond that, that they are what we would say progressive as well. Uh, we just continue on in faith. Uh, we're led by the Spirit. We try not to get in the way. He knew from eternity past what it would take for each one of us sitting here this evening to be changed, to be moved, to be added to this family of ours. So they're progressive as well. Let me show you quickly what I mean for the sake of reflection. We'll go backwards in time first. In 2015, which was last year, Christmas special, this was the highlight. Christmas in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. If you want the most out of Christmas time, you've got to give the most. That was last year. Give Christ first, His gospel. Give others your heart. Give all your love. Those are the greatest gifts. Some of you might remember that from last year. Last Christmas, the series on the gospel, salvation and sanctification was but a couple of months old at that point. 
and he had already sort of dug our heels into, if you're going to give anything, give someone the gospel. Get it right. Give it rightly. Give it with all your heart, with all your strength. Give it with all your love. These are the greatest gifts. That was the beginning of this sort of journey from last September. Already we were reaping the benefits of living in the gospel reality that is in Christ, as Paul would say it. And if you remember, we had another song. Um, I forget the artist's name, but he sings, uh, It's Good to Be Alive. Jason Gray, thank you. And that was what we closed with last year. It's good to be alive. And we asked the question as we left, aren't you glad to be alive? Better yet, aren't you glad to be alive in Christ this Christmas? Just consider the malls and the shopping areas and the spiritual destitution, uh, the awfulness of being without Christ at Christmas. I can't imagine it, what it's like to live without Him. Aren't you glad to be alive? Better yet, aren't you glad to be alive in Christ this Christmas? Amen. Share the joy. Share your life, your heart, your love this season. That was last year. That was sort of a couple of months after we started the what we've been calling the Gospel Reload. Before that was 2014. The Spirit still had some dust to sort of sweep out of the closet for some of us. This was the last year before the gospel reload. Some of you might get a chuckle. You remember this. Ho, 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 Santa's religion. That lesson was actually, I believe it was the Thursday before the Christmas special on the Sunday, which was titled this. So we had really a focus away from what the world focuses on at Christmas time, and it was glory in excelsis Deo, which is glory to God in the highest. So we weren't there yet. We weren't at September of 2015 yet, but he was preparing us. And as we go back, you'll see the progress. You see, the Spirit was doing some preconditioning on the sovereignty of God, something that became a focal point over the past year, especially with our treatment of evangelism. And then three years ago, this was our Christmas special title. I think, Scott, that you were up here doing it, I believe. Love was born 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ is the very manifestation of love. He was born and then that same love hung on a cross. The Spirit even used Jesus' earthly mother as He continued to press into us that humility is the key to the spiritual life. I mean, how many times, let's face it, I thought about it when I wrote this uh, earlier. How many times did He have me say this from the pulpit? I kept saying it. Hum what's the key to the spiritual life? Humility, humility, humility is the key to the spiritual life. That was all before the big reload, so to speak. I said that all the time. Looking back, we know why. He needed us to be humble. So think about why that might have been, knowing what you know now about where He has taken us. And this is just a snapshot from 2013. We looked at the humility of Mary, 
I know in the ladies' Bible study, folks looked at Mary as well. Her Magnificat. As a humble woman of God, Mary was chosen to be a vessel of mercy, to carry our Lord into this world. She calls herself a bond slave of the Lord, and therefore we see she is his willing servant, a God-fearing young Jewish woman who accepted this calling by faith. And then finally, we'll go one more year into the annals of our lessons, most of which aren't even posted on the website anymore, as most of you know. This was from 2012. Behold the Lamb of God. Meet the Son of God, the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So just reflecting, again, we're in a reflective mood here this evening. It's been quite a ride, hasn't it? It sure has. As I began with tonight, this evening's sermon, if you would, is about reflection. So I hope you can see the way the Lord has raised up His own children unto Himself. After all, He's the Great Shepherd, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and He is also the Lamb of God. So He knew precisely what it would take with all of us and as a collective congregation to accomplish this wonderful work in us. So just a walk from 2012 back now until this evening's Christmas special, we might see it this way. <clears throat> Again, 2012, behold the Lamb of God. 13, love was born 2,000 years ago. 14, glory to God in the highest. And then it was the reload. It's good to be alive. Give what? Yourself. Give the gospel. And then this whole year. We're going to talk about anything? As a capstone, as a cause, it's the gospel, right? It's the gospel all the way. I'm not sure what I'm going to teach on next Christmas. We're still here, right? <laughs> so maybe you don't make it a habit to think about things like this. And it's understandable in the sense that you all have jobs and families and such. But the Lord and His Spirit are with us, with you, right now. And they are saying, stop, stop and smell the roses. Stop and look back. Don't be afraid to reflect. They are saying, just look at how far the Word has taken you over the past few years. And oh, by the way, don't miss my patience. Don't miss the patience of God in doing so. If we've learned anything over the past year or so, it's those simple things from this past week's lessons up here on the board even. It's funny how our lessons and these specials always dovetail. Simply worshiping God Almighty. We got this from Scripture. Choose life in order that you may live. Well, how is that done? By loving the Lord your God. By obeying His voice. By holding fast to Him. It's not complicated, folks. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, holding fast to Him. God is unity, as we've learned. And the gospel is man's invitation into that unity. Another borrowed slide from this past week on the gospel. The gospel is an invitation from the eternal God of the universe 
to spend eternity with him in perfect, blissful, loving fellowship. We were born disunited from him, but through Jesus, we are unified with the unity that is God. So, frankly, the gospel is the most intimate invitation ever given. God is unity. We saw that in Scripture. The Lord is one. God is unity. It doesn't mean He's just one. It means He is unity. The very definition of what it means to come together in any intimacy that's godly in nature, He's that. And He's inviting all of us, everyone, into that unity. So I guess at Christmas time, as much as ever, we ought to remember that the, you know, the quote, good news, the gospel, is about a real person. Not just facts about him, like that we, or we know that he was born on this day or that, or that he was born in Bethlehem or lived in Nazareth. Those are wonderful facts about him. But frankly, they mean nothing, relatively speaking. Does it really matter where he lived? Does it really matter if December 25th is his birthday? Does that really, really matter? Then why all the fuss? Even in Christendom, why all the fuss? So let's focus on the person as we have been for over a year. Jesus Christ is the most accessible human being to ever live, yet multitudes live their whole lives estranged from Him, His friendship, His love. This is the great tragedy throughout the ages. So again, reflect, what is Christmas? That's what I've had to do over the past week. What is Christmas? Is it really just celebrating his birthday? A date, a supposed date at that? What is Christmas? And frankly, why are we not celebrating it every day? That's how I, that's my struggle. Why are we not celebrating it every day? Well, if we're honest, aren't the answer to these questions obvious? The Spirit has encapsulated this in this phrase that comes from this pulpit somewhat frequently, living in the gospel reality. So to answer the question regarding what is Christmas, one must see it through the lens of the good news, the gospel. There's no other way to look at Christmas. It's not just about the birthday of our Lord. That's wonderful. I get it. It's great could have read you the nativity scene tonight just as easily but he didn't want me to do that i suppose it's because of over after over a year of studying the gospel proper he wants us to look at christmas through that lens he wants us to look at it through the good news to be invigorated by it inspired by it moved by it I mean, that's what living the gospel reality means, as we've learned. So to see it through the lens of the good news, the gospel, for starters, and 
even sufficient for this evening, we might consider this one verse. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah, that's why he was born. To seek and to save that which was lost. I guess if we're going to celebrate him, shouldn't we celebrate this basic truth about him? Why was he born? Why did God become man? To seek and to save the lost. That's not complicated. That's true love. That's the grace of all graces. Hasn't this journey of ours over the years been the most magnificent thing you've ever experienced? Hasn't it? Understanding intimately, personally, wholly what, quote, being saved actually means in the first place? Jesus said in Luke 19.10, you know, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now dwell on that final phrase for a moment before we even move on. And while you're doing so, remember all that was actually lost at the fall in the Garden of Eden. He said to save that which was lost. Well, you know anything about the fall in the garden? An awful lot was lost. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, Jesus was alluding to this grander stage regarding salvation? I do. I do. There was an awful lot that was lost in the garden. I believe that Jesus held fast to this big picture that most so-called Christians will never possess due to, frankly, laziness or even unbelief. But my friends, the good news, the gospel, is about being saved by God through Jesus Christ. It's what he was born for. But what a tremendous pleasure it's been to discover, rediscover, reorient to what it even means to be saved. And also that the sovereign, merciful God of the universe actually chose to send him as our sacrifice. This is the good news. So this Christmas, we are not celebrating mere facts about our Savior. We are celebrating Him, His person, even His love for us. And in all fairness to Him, we ought not just celebrate an event in time, even though His birth was a miracle. And real miracles, well, let me put it this way. His birth was a miracle. Father, forgive me if I'm wrong, but to me, the real miracles happen every day when someone is saved. It's a miracle. If you're saved and sitting here this morning, that is 
a stupendous miracle. Because you were dead. Remember Necros in the Greek? You were dead, kaput. No chance whatsoever. Dead. That's what he saved you from. So, and he's a real person. <laughs> we ought to be celebrating the person, all of him, and all he's accomplished for us. Go to Romans 5, 6. <clears throat> Romans 5, 6. This is what Christmas is. It's about him. We're not celebrating a date. Romans 5, 6, for a little perspective, never hurts. Romans 5, 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was you and me. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, he was born to die. That's the point. That's the good news. And that's a demonstration of God's own love toward us. Up here on the board. So we're looking for perspective. We're reflecting. Celebrating Christmas, you know, Christmas. If we're going to reflect on Christmas, let us reflect on the whole of the gospel. That we were born sinners in need of a Savior. Let's not just reflect on a date, a supposed date at that. We ought to share in Paul's sentiments. Go to 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy 1.15. We're going to reflect on Christmas. Let us reflect on the whole of the gospel. We were born sinners in need of a Savior. We ought to share in Paul's sentiments. 1 Timothy 1.15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. It's never too late, my friends. For God so loved the whole world, it's never too late to give someone the gospel. Verse 17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So as I alluded to earlier, this Christmas special celebration is reflective in nature. And fortunately for us, we have scripture to help us do that very thing. Reflect. So this Christmas, let us step back and ponder where the Spirit of Christ has taken us over the years. And a night like this, I can't help but think that we're family. 
Yeah. Even that's a miracle. Look at you people. <laughs> but we're family. That is honestly a miracle. And we're his family. We've been adopted into his family. That's a miracle. And you know when that happened? At salvation. So let's celebrate all of the gospel, all of the good news. So we are family, his family, and we worship him in the unity of the faith that he authored and perfected. This day, this Christmas day, is a day the Lord has made. Therefore, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Go to 2 Timothy 2.1. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Circumstances are different, my friends, but let us read this passage. Let us relate to it. Let us reflect at each corner on our own lives. We know enough about Paul. We know obviously enough about Jesus Christ. We may lack in some of the details of the context of the passage, but so much is relatable to where we've been as a congregation. So I suggest that as we read this together, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to read it with you. Look for moments in your own life that you can relate to here. These are real people. Remember that. It's one of the first things he taught us not that long ago. To start reading your Bibles. And stop reading for doctrines. Stop reading for people. These are people. All the stories, all the encounters, all the accounts, it's always people. So you have to learn to read your Bible for peoples, for the people, so that you can what? Relate to them. Why? Because there's a true benefit to it. So let's do that thing. 2 Timothy 2.1 You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We just finished up, what, 30 parts on grace and works. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything." Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, 
he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they have set the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. An awful lot to reflect on there, I believe. And just one last word as I close up before we get to singing this evening with the kids. One last word of caution as we prepare to depart to our earthly families over the weekend. Many of us are going to be stricken by the stark contrast and often conflict between we believers and the agents of the God of this world over the holiday. Go to 2 Thessalonians 3 1. 2 Thessalonians 3 1. For a little encouragement. And I'll close in prayer. And we'll sing unto the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3 1. <clears throat> Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. A lot of us are going to come into contact with unbelievers even over the holiday. <clears throat> Think of this. Pray for us. Pray for each other that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. Someone had to evangelize you at some point. Right, And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you 
from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Amen? All right, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you and we pray for the strength that the inspired Word of God speaks of so profusely. We pray for the perseverance and the tenacity that is yours to give. We pray that we get the gospel right, that we stand fast in Christ, that we are defenders of the faith, Father, regardless of what this world may produce in opposition. Father, we pray that our hearts remain humble and open, for we know that you give grace to the humble, but are opposed to the arrogant. May we not be arrogant, especially at this moment in time, Father, but in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, Father, even. May we be lights to the world. May we stand for what Christmas truly ought to stand for, a person, a real person, the Lamb of God, spotless and blameless, who hung on a cross. Love that was born to die. Love that hung on that cross. May we never forget this, Father, but embrace it with every fiber who and what we are. And we take this with us this evening. May we continue to rejoice this evening as we set forth and raising our voices to you with our children and this beautiful family that you've ordained for this assembly. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.